Before we get started, a quick disclosure. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. Nothing you hear is an offer or a solicitation to buy or sell any investment. And with that, hello and welcome to the Range of Capital podcast. This is a 15-minute long podcast and the clock starts now. I'm Andrew Walker, a portfolio manager at Rangely, and with me as always is my co-host and Rangely's founder, Chris Demuth. Uh, Chris, it is Unlucky Friday, May 13th, uh, and today we're going to start by talking about the government blocking the merger between Office Depot and Staples, which was pretty unlucky for both of them. And then we're going to move on to talking about some disastrously weak results we've seen from the department stores like Macy's, Kohl's, and Nordstrom's, and then kind of ponder if the huge sell-off in their stocks presents opportunities. Uh, And Chris, before we start talking about these subjects, I just want to mention that there's kind of one common theme that I think runs through both of these subjects, and that is the theme of Amazon and online retailers. Uh, By rejecting the Office Depot Staples merger, I'm sure we'll talk about this in a second, the government effectively said Amazon isn't an an effective competitor yet in their markets, which I think is kind of foolish, but we'll talk about it. And then Macy's and Nordstrom's, uh, all those department stores results kind of support the argument that Online shopping, which is dominated by Amazon, is increasingly eating, buying stuff in the physical world. So, Chris, Office Depot Staples, we mentioned their merger on our March 17th podcast, Amazon Takes Flight. Uh, Why don't you walk us through your thoughts on the merger breaking? The best situation is to erroneously be approved in an antitrust investigation (laughs) to actually have pricing power and not quite get caught. Yep, yep. The worst situation is to be 0 for 2, to not actually have any pricing power whatsoever and get blocked. And Staples and Office Depot... If they're monopolists, they are the worst monopolists <laughs> in history. I mean, either you want to end up with the virtue or the money, and these guys are going to end up with neither. Yep. So uh, this is actually the second time the FTC has blocked an Office Depot-Staples merger. They blocked it in 1997. Uh and both times they've gone to court and the FTC has won in court saying that it would be anti-competitive. And I think in 1997, they had a heck of a lot better argument than they had today. Uh, so, go ahead. At the pace the FTC is going, I do not think either of these companies will survive long enough to have their merger blocked a third time. <laughs> so, I, there's a lot to talk about here. Yes. Uh, But the FTC's core argument was, look, Amazon is great for individual consumers, Mm -hmm. but large office buyers aren't ready to be served by Amazon yet. Go ahead. Let me just say that as a matter of law, I would have come out with, I hate to say this, but the same decision that this judge did. Mm -hmm. And it's because there is no uh, limit in the antitrust law for something being trivial. There are some antitrust concerns that I just consider to be so deeply trivial. I have a hard time any human being. It's mm-hmm. kind of thing that if it was a jury case, it would be perfect for jury nullification. Uh, one is the rampant antitrust problems in very high-end art auctions. You know, <laughs> if if billionaires want to sell stuff to other billionaires and they want to give millionaires a good cut of the proceeds... I struggle with naming who the victim is, uh, but um, but this and this is another one. You know, we're talking about Fortune 500 companies, mm-hmm. and we're talking about a highly precise market definition. There, there are two things that came into play here during the court, and I should say. I did not attend it, but we had lawyers there. Mm-hmm. And uh, number one in the market definition, we're talking about four large 
customers excluding paper. I have a friend who is a uh, judge and he actually happened to have uh, presided over uh, a big case earlier involving Oracle and PeopleSoft. And one of the things he always looks to is just the length of the market definition. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're going on for a paragraph or two, they're sort of sh- shopping for trying to, trying to define the market around obvious competitors. Um, in one case, they defined the music and the floor material in a grocery deal that they were trying to block. Uh, and uh, here, you know, they, they could have been guilty of that, but it's a real market. And they're really, it really was a two to one in that market. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, At least for the next couple of years. So, I, and I think that's interesting. So let's, a couple interesting facts. A, there was a really fun freedom of information request that was done on the FTC that revealed that they've been kind of shopping for large office supply buys and they haven't even accepted bid from Staples and Office Depot. They found plenty of competition. So there's enough competition for them, but not enough for kind of the big buyers and they blocked it. Yeah. Uh, But I think both of us think this is going to drawing kind of a long history of deals that the FTC has blocked. And then later seeing both of the companies that they said were going to dominate the industry go into bankruptcy or kind of massively restructure. Kind of the poster child for this is Hollywood Video Blockbuster in 2005. Both were bankrupt by 2010. But I think there is a serious issue here, right? You mentioned Amazon wasn't quite yet yet ready to compete. They'll, go they'll be there in the next couple of years. I mean, the rule of thumb for this is, you know, if you have, and it's not illegal to be a monopoly, it's illegal to abuse your monopoly. And if you have the ability to use pricing power, say by 5% yep. over the next couple of years, and in this kind of... Uh, period uh, right before Amazon comes in to swat down Staples and Office Depot, uh, maybe buy one or the other in bankruptcy. Um, uh, they, uh, they're they not quite there yet. Um, I, I would say that the FTC is not terribly creative about giving the market and human incentives a huge credit for filling mm-hmm. these voids. Um, just two quick thoughts on the what the judge did. Uh, one, uh, in terms of your professional game theoretic incentive, you don't like being overturned. Uh, the companies explicitly said that if you side against us, we will quit immediately. Yeah. And the government explicitly said, if you side against us, we will fight to the last nth degree. Yeah. So he kind of had a free win by siding with the government. Mm-hmm. Not clear that that was good tactics on the company side. Um, And then secondly, it was fairly clear that his preference order would have been, number one, some settlement that either contractually or via divestiture kind of gave up pricing power for the next, say, even just 24 to 36 Mm -hmm. months and then allowed Amazon to come in after that. Uh, But if you denied that first one and the government denied him that first one, in their case, good game theory, then he proved that he would go to a second choice siding with the government. And, and just on the a little bit more on the FTC block issue. So one thing you can point to is Amazon does about a billion dollars in business services and they're growing 20% per year. So as you said, tw- in 24 months, this won't be an issue. But right now, it kind of maybe they'll have a little bit of pricing power. And the FTC came out and said, look, we don't care. We're here to make sure there's no immediate loss of competition. And that's what we're stopping, immediate loss of competition. Uh, I think it's very interesting, you know, if you don't stop immediate loss of competition, where do you draw the line? You know, could this, if they had let this deal go through, could it have gone through two years ago? Could it have gone through four years ago? I don't know the right answer, but you can kind of see where the FTC is coming, even though it's very easy to make fun of them. Go ahead. Let me make fun of them for a minute then. Uh, the, 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 the extremity of the situation, the, the triviality of this is so uh, just manifest, um, no customer, no Fortune 500 customer is going to raise prices on any end-use customer mm-hmm. because of their 
stapler and uh, binder clip supplier. Uh, so it really makes no difference to any end-use customer. What it probably makes is some kind of mid-level uh, a person has to make three phone calls instead of one. Yep. And that's yep. really what this was all over. Okay, so let's talk, uh, is there an investment opportunity here? Both Office Depot and Staples, their stock has been killed in response to this. Mm-hmm. I think Office Depot stock might be down about 50% since uh, the announcement. Mm-hmm. Staples stock was down as well because there were huge synergies to combining these two and people are disappointed that's not happening. Do you see any investment opportunity here? Um, mildly so. I mean, this deal would have been the solution for the two companies in terms of taking costs out. Uh, one can see a case. First of all, I should say I love broken arb situations. Arbs are terrible sellers. Broken arb where a merger doesn't go through. Breaks. So uh, yes, there's the no more merger. Day. So everyone's selling the stock. Yes, yep. tends to sell uh, quickly and tends to overshoot. Office Depot is overshot a bit. Um, maybe there's some private equity interest or so forth. Um, I think that uh, what kind of reflecting on my career, which almost perfectly matches the dates of Amazon, I would say that this is the best case I've ever seen for first level kind of trivial uh, casual thinking actually working just own Amazon short every other retailer against it and you're saying just like 20 years ago you, you wish you had done that or oh, I guess so, anyone so, so, at, at any point I mean I, I have never found a time to ever be able to own Amazon, you know, I, uh, I, 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 it never looks cheap to me. And every time I look back, I can reflect on any time series and say, just the casual I, thoughts are, I, I've kind of overthought this. I, I just don't think that's fair. I think that's very much like a survivorship bias type argument. You know, like you could have, in 99, you could have made the same argument about drugstore.com. Or if you took a basket of all of the retail stocks everyone thought was going to dominate, mm-hmm. like I don't even know, I don't think Amazon would have been the one you were like, oh, it's going to grow into this world beater. That's probably like a Yahoo. I don't think it, I get what you're saying, but you know, the first order of thinking, you can say it about a lot of different stocks and companies. And I just, I don't like that argument, but turning to the, the case, uh, Office Depot trading for less than 8XP, about 4X EBITDA, Staples not less than 9XP, 4X EBITDA. They're cheap. I, I don't know if you want to own them. They're, they're going to have, uh, you have to look hard at those businesses and wonder how long till that big store base and all the leases and cost structure becomes a huge burden versus an Amazon. I, I think it's probably better just to avoid it, but there could be some upside there. Uh, anything else here, Amazon? Anything? Okay. So before we turn to the retail sector, just a quick reminder, if you like this podcast, the best way to get more of them is to help us grow. Please recommend us to a friend who you think would like us and be sure to follow and rate us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Audio Boom. So Chris, let's turn to the department stores and five reported earnings this week. And I mean, it was just a disaster. They missed their earnings estimate. Same store sales were way down. They slashed their outlook. Everyone's stock has been killed. Uh, do you want to take it with any thoughts there? It's interesting. You know, there, there are quite a few of these where there's kind of activist and sophisticated hedge fund interest mm-hmm. uh, strategies in many cases to try to uh, monetize real estate. But boy, every single one comes out and they're just debacles one after the next. Yeah. So I think uh, 10 years ago, if I had told you Macy's, Nordstrom, Zillers, J- Dillard's, JCP are all going to come out and miss earnings and slash their outlook, you would have said we're in a massive consumer recession. But today, it's just it's exactly what we're saying with the Office Depot Staples. Everything's going to Amazon. Like online sales are way, way up. And these guys just don't have what people want to 
buying their stores, or if they have them, people would rather buy them cheaper and more conveniently online. Yeah, it's kind of one of these awkward situations. It's kind of like when somebody uh, doesn't want to go to prom with you, so you assume they don't want to go to prom, and they're like, no, they, they just don't want to go to prom with you. I mean, <laughs> yeah. pe- people do have money, and they're willing to spend it. They're just not spending it at your store. You're hitting a really soft spot in my heart right here, Chris. Uh, you know, a lot of these, I want to turn to the activism in a second, but a lot of these retailers, what they've done is they've tried to respond by saying, oh, like people would rather go buy Nike shoes online or at a Nike store than from our, our shop. So we'll just offer private label stuff and private label. You can only find it in our place and we'll get better margins on it because we don't have to pay kind of Nike their brand fee. And it helped for a little bit. It increased their profit margins for a little bit. But now consumers are fleeing in droves. It turns out we don't want to buy Macy's branded stuff. Or they've got their own labels. But they don't want to buy the Macy's private label brand. They want Nike. And if they wanted a private label, they could go to Gap and get kind of lower prices. Though Gap got killed as well. So let's talk about the activism. I think you and I defer a little bit. Uh, You see some opportunity in the activism here. Yeah. Geez. I I don't know. Um, You know, Macy's is one. And I'll mention at the end, I own a little bit of Macy's, but it's uh, it's a target of Starboard. One um, of our favorite uh, of, activists we've mentioned several yeah, times. I mean, yep. we've, we've overlapped with Starboard going back before they were separated from their predecessor company, Ramius, um, and I uh, think that the real estate argument is interesting. They think that the real estate's quite, quite valuable relative to the company's current enterprise value. And uh, I think originally they were saying 70-ish. That might now be Mm -hmm. 60-ish. But um, but yeah, no, I've stuck with that one a bit. So uh, I'll I'll walk through the the Macy's thing and we can post. Starboard just put out a slide in January talking about Macy's. And the argument is they've got tons of real estate, Mm -hmm. uh, including they own the Herald Square store, which is obviously hugely valuable New York trophy property. But they've got tons of real estate, and uh, you know, if they shut down some stores and release it or kind of spend that real estate off into a REIT, they think the real estate would be worth about $21 billion versus the company's enterprise value right now is about 16. Uh, you put it together, you assign a multiple to the credit card business and to their, uh, their operating business, and you kind of, as you said, get a price of 70, maybe 60 with the decreased earnings for the operating business. But that looks great compared to, that's a double compared to the stock price kind of hovering mm-hmm. around 30 right now. Uh, go ahead. I, I, I do not like the idea of franchise value, and I really don't like the idea uh, at all of kind of marquee uh of kind of locations, but as long as I'm the seller and it looks like it's going to be transactional, uh, the uh, the really high end uh, real estate stuff, it, it seems like it normally trades hands for too much. And as long as I'm the seller and I'm able to sell it for too much, I think that that can be interesting. I think Macy's is interesting because they do have that trophy property in Herald Square, which would be worth so much money. But if, this is just my point. I think this is one of the few times we kind of disagree. I look at this and I look at Macy's. I look at J.C. Penney when uh, Bill Ackman came with the investment thesis. Mm-hmm. Dillard's had an activist, and even Seritage. And I say, wow, that's a whole lot of kind of mall level real estate that everybody wants to go out and release it. And everybody's talking about how we've got these long term leases and we can release it and capture this huge spread. And I just wonder who's actually out there to release this all this real estate to. Uh, I'll mention, I think Macy's and Seritage both have a little bit more class A, which is really high quality mall space, mm-hmm. than JCPenney and Dillard's. I think Seritage is top, then Macy's, then JCPenney, then Dillard's. So I'd probably want to be overweight to class A, which is doing much better than class B and C. But again, that's just a lot of real estate coming online. Any thoughts there? I think the malls are where people used to go before they had 
uh, all the gizmos to attach to, uh, to each other to socially. So kind of bef- it was kind of a pre-smartphone yeah. social phenomenon. Yeah. But you don't hear young people saying, oh, I'm going to go to the malls to hope to bump into somebody else anymore. I, I remember we used to go like on Friday nights and we go see a movie, but now I, I just don't, uh, don't see it happening. Okay, so I think that's it. That's it. That's it. All right, so that's all the time we have for today. Uh, if you have any feedback for us or are there any topics you'd like us to discuss, please feel free to email us at podcast at rangelycapital.com. Our disclosures, I don't have any. Uh, Chris, I think you're long Macy's Office Depot. Office Depot, um, did we even mention? No, uh, we were going to mention Baker Hughes and the broken. uh, A a graveyard of broken (laughs) deals. Uh, But Baker Hughes, since we mentioned it. Uh, That's it for today, and we'll talk to you next week.